You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And as promised, today we're going to welcome on Josh Ward from Locked On Tennessee for another fun crossover episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Josh is a really smart guy, knows Tennessee up and down, and he's also a radio host down on 99.1 The Sports Animal FM in Knoxville. So certainly the perfect man to come on and talk about the Tigers' next game on Saturday. We recorded this on Zoom, so if my audio sounds a little bit different than usual, well, that explains it. So without further ado, here's me and Josh. So, John, I'm curious, uh, Missouri's coming to Knoxville, Missouri's coming off the Alabama loss, uh, but I, I wonder, I guess, how much do you read into that game, the opener, into what Missouri is is right now, what it's going to be this season, because the opening game was against Alabama? Well, you know, that's a good question, and, and, you know, there are some things you can read into it, and some things you don't want to, obviously. I think there were some real positives. I think a couple receivers for Missouri, Jalen Knox and Dominic Jacinto, a couple guys that really did next to nothing last year in 2019, really showed up and, and showed like they could make some stuff happen in this new Eli Drinkwitz offense, especially from that slot position. So there are little things like that. I think that if that's that shows that's a sustainable type thing against a team like Alabama. Now, on the other hand, Obviously, if you're going to lose by 19 points, and frankly, the game wasn't that close, especially in the first game, I don't think you want to overreact to something like that. Now, on the other side of the field, Tennessee got up 21-7 to early in that ball game. South Carolina rallied, nearly come, came back and won. How are the Vols feeling after their first week? Yeah, I think Tennessee feels pretty good, and they know they have to fix some things. They know that they allowed a, a pretty easy, at least looking drive by South Carolina to begin the game, and as you mentioned, allowed South Carolina back in it, and that's something that they don't want to see happen because I think it brings up feelings of, okay, well, there were a lot of close games last year, and they could have gone the other way, could have gone the other way this past Saturday, and Tennessee fans probably want a little more breathing room, but fans are also coming off the news that, Cade Mays is now going to be able to play, and he's one of Tennessee's best players. That makes the offensive line good. So the fact that, you know, in week one we saw LSU lose to Mississippi State and Oklahoma this past weekend lost to Kansas State, Tennessee fans know that it can be worse, and it's a seven-game winning streak now for Tennessee, which is one of the longest in the country. Yeah, for sure, and I I couldn't help but notice that you all played 11 freshmen last week. Is that – I've also noticed that Jeremy Pruitt, his recruiting game, is he's kind of raised – their recruiting profile a little bit the last couple of years. Is that a, a function of just trying to get maybe those new four-star guys on the field? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. One, uh, certainly just trying to recruit at a high level because that's what Tennessee is going to have to do to get to where the program expects to be. You know, com- Playing with Georgia, Florida, Bama, the teams they play every year that are typically the best in the conference – and then also, I think right now, the, if we're having a short-term conversation for this week or even how this season plays out, 
I don't know how many guys play huge roles for Tennessee, but some are going to play important roles. Like there was a freshman, Tyler Barron, an outside linebacker, defensive end, who is, I think, going to be a pretty effective player in a role for Tennessee. And, and maybe it, it expands as the season goes along. I think there's a good chance. But Barron, Morvin, Joseph, those were both four-star guys that could have gone just about anywhere in the country. Joseph chose Tennessee over Florida and Florida State and, uh, and came from the state of Florida. And then uh, at wide receiver, I'm really going to be curious how they – uh, how they develop and what roles they play because Tennessee has some veterans that have pretty good talent, but Jalen Hyatt's a, a really talented freshman with really good speed who's out there some this past weekend. So that number I think will grow as the season goes along, but Tennessee has some linemen they like. They have some secondary members that they like. Again, none playing huge roles. I, I wouldn't consider any of them starters right now. Danico Slaughter was kind of that, but because a player was out and, and maybe needed again in a big way this week, Sean Schamberger, may not play again on Saturday. But uh, I, think, I think Tennessee has a nice combination of experienced talent coming back from last year and young talent that will play a bigger role as the season goes along and they get more experience. Have you all had – speaking of guys who may be out on Saturday, have you all had any major players that have been out because of COVID-19 or any guys who have opted out of the season because of the virus? Well, without being specific, Tennessee last week had uh, two guys that we know had health issues, and that was Darrell Middleton, a defensive lineman, who I think has a chance to play this pa- uh, this upcoming Saturday against Missouri. And he, he's, a, he's one of those experienced guys that I'm talking about that uh, has talent and last year I thought really came on for Tennessee and is an important player. The Vols do have good depth, though, on the defensive line and can, uh, that can manage if Darrell cannot go, or if he's limited, if his practice time has been limited, his playing time probably will be too. Sean Schamberger would be the other one. And as of uh, Wednesday, he was not back out there practicing. And he's a guy that plays the nickel position for Tennessee. And I think it's really important. He's good in coverage. He can help in, in trying to make plays around the line of scrimmage. He's been asked to apply pressure. And he was not out there. That's why Danico Slaughter, a freshman, was playing. And Schamberger's the guy they want out there. Without him, though, that, that means Slaughter. Maybe uh, Bryce Thompson, who's a preseason All-SEC guy, can move around, can play safety, can play corner. Because Tennessee also had two DBs that did not practice much, so they didn't play much last Saturday. They've gotten more work this week, so they probably work in a little bit more. So overall, I think the numbers are pretty good. I say that not knowing what could come up because the Schamberger and Middleton news didn't come until game day last Saturday. And, and that's just – part of the conversation, which I know it, it has been in Columbia as well. What's the latest there with Missouri and kind of just the health and availability of players, as you know? And Josh, I do want to answer your question about Missouri's injury statuses. But first, I got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. And you know, with the ever-increasing number of makes of cars and models as well, It's now virtually impossible to stock all the parts you would need at your traditional chain front store. So why would you as a customer endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning from people at the front checkout line while you wait to see the counter man, if he has the parts available for you on your computer or just orders them for you, whatever the deal might be. And here's the deal. They're basically just going to only choose the brands that they happen to have in their warehouse. Well, guess what? You're not that guy at the checkout counter. He's not the only one with a computer. You have access to a computer at your home and your pocket 
And best of all, you have access to rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Well, you know, it sounds like there was a couple maybe offensive linemen who had sit out maybe with either testing positive or with contact tracing. You know, obviously we're not really going to reveal that type of thing. But when it comes to the opt-outs on the team, it seemed like for the most part Missouri's trend is sort of stuck with the trend of most of the country, which is – with the sort of notable exception of maybe Jamar Chase at LSU, most of the guys who've opted out haven't been particularly important players or impact players, not in like the, the first, you know, first string, second string, any time, anything like that. And now I want to make sure I'm not accusing anybody of anything. That's not a pejorative to anybody who opted out of the season. It just doesn't seem like there've been a lot of impact guys who've opted out yet. And that, and that's certainly true for the Tigers. The biggest injury concern right now is Jarvis Ware at cornerback. He got his knee was a little banged up in the Alabama game pretty early. So we'll have to see. He's definitely day-to-day, probably be a game-time decision. You, you mentioned your true freshman at cornerback, Danico Slaughter. I was just curious, since he's a true freshman out there at corner, did the Gamecocks pick on him at all last week? I didn't get a chance to watch that entire game. Yeah, he was a guy that uh, I thought South Carolina went after playing at the the uh, covering the slot. And Shai Smith was a player that South Carolina clearly wanted to get the ball to, and they did a bunch, and they went to him often. And it, it wasn't just Denico, but he was for sure a part of that equation. That's why they moved some guys around with Bryce Thompson, who was playing safety because Sean, uh, excuse me, because Jalen McCullough was largely unavailable, at least to start, because he was one of the players that had not practiced much. So moving Thompson to safety, I I think they're more comfortable with Bryce Thompson at corner and uh, Lante Taylor and then Kenneth George as the third guy. But I'll be curious, do they still play Slaughter a lot? Because they stuck with him, uh, and that's worth pointing out. They stuck with Danico last week, even as he was being thrown at. And, And also... I thought South Carolina was trying to get some of Tennessee's linebackers in coverage, and I would expect that Missouri is going to try to do that as well. So uh, I'm sure it's going to show up that South Carolina was trying to use uh, some quick passing and uh, some, some quick throws over the middle and try to break guys open that way. I would, I would guess that Drinkwitz is going to try to do that against Tennessee. We'll see if Tennessee has any changes. Is Jalen McCullough back starting at safety? Because they really like his potential. He's a second-year player, a guy that signed with Jeremy Pruitt it was a high school All-American that I think has, maybe not this year, but down the line, All-SEC potential. Yeah, just sticking with the uh, true freshman corner theme, just for you Tennessee fans out there, Ennis Rakestraw started at corner as a true freshman last week against Alabama and, and did pretty well, all things considered. I mean, he started not necessarily because Missouri's desperate at corner. I think it was just more that he's that well thought of by the defensive staff and you know, obviously, he got burned a couple times. You can go up against, uh, you know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, who in particular looked just tremendous to me. But I thought Rakestraw did well. But obviously, with the upperclassman Jarvis Ware I just mentioned, him possibly being a game-time decision there, you'll probably see Ishmael Burdine on the other side of last week's an indication. Another young guy at corner. So it would be interesting to me to see after – 
in the 2019 Missouri-Tennessee game, Jared Garantano threw for 415 yards. A lot of those were big chunk plays, but in general, is it fair to call Garantano more of a game manager? Because it seems like that's the, the vibe I've gotten in Knoxville a little bit. Yeah, I think so. One of the positives with the way that Jarrett played against South Carolina would be that he did not make mistakes, no huge mistakes. I'm sure he didn't make 100% of the right decisions, but he didn't turn the ball over, which is a big deal to Jeremy Pruitt, and made the right decisions before the ball was snapped and largely with the ball. Now, he had several throws that were just off and shouldn't have been. He just missed open receivers, and that can be frustrating, and fans have had I think uh, a back-and-forth conversation with, with how they feel about Jared over the last few years. But right now, it, I think it's pretty clear Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff feel most comfortable with him. Now, if he were to revert back to where he was last September, where he's just making really bad decisions and bad throws, that could change this conversation. But as long as he's making good choices with the football and he's taking care of the ball and, and at times making plays because he, he missed some throws and then came back and hit a deep ball down the, the right sideline to Josh Palmer for a touchdown. So that, that big playability is there. Compared to the Missouri game a year ago, what's obviously missing is Juwan Jennings and Marquez Calloway. Those were just two terrific players, and uh, both are, are with NFL organizations right now. And they're not, they're not out there. But I, I still think Tennessee has pretty good talent at wide receiver. Tennessee has good speed. They're probably faster at wide receiver, actually, this year because of Valus Jones, a transfer from USC, and some of those younger players I mentioned. So th- there's something to work with. But I think it's about running the football. It's about relying on the offensive line to, to set the tone, especially now that Cade Mays is going to be out there, and then see if you can hit some plays at receiver and also manufacture some easy throws for Garantano. If that happens, then I think Tennessee's offense can – can move the ball pretty efficiently. But the best drive for Tennessee was the first drive coming out of halftime where they just ran right at South Carolina, and the balls are really effective there. So I think Tennessee will will try to do that again at Missouri and then see if they can find some matchup advantages. What, what would stand out to you in terms of what Missouri is going to try to do to limit Tennessee's offense? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think I think you're probably going to have to see – I think you're going to see Missouri blitz quite a bit in this game because last season, Missouri did not, and really, frankly, for the last two to three seasons, Missouri has not done well getting pressure with just their front four. And in fact, now, really, Missouri has actually transferred to more of a 3-4 style defense, although to call it a four is maybe a bit of a misnomer. It's more of like a 3-3-5 because normally they're going to play a nickel style defense, but regardless they're now standing up guys who used to be defensive ends as sort of stand up outside linebackers that just goes to show you they're trying to generate pass rush in a little bit different way because maybe what they've done the last couple years isn't going to work so to that point I think you're going to see Missouri bring five and six guys in pressure quite a bit and I think a lot of this game offensively on the Tennessee side will come down to how does Jared Garantano and and Josh Palmer and the rest of that volunteer offense, how do they adjust to pressure? How do they handle the pressure, pick it up? How do they, you know, have side adjustment routes, all that good stuff. How has Garantano done against pressure so far in his career? Well, you know what? He's dealt with it a lot. And I think overall he's done pretty well with it. An interesting comment he made after the game on Saturday was that, some of the throws that he that he was uh, hitting high, that he was selling over receivers' heads, he felt pressure coming that wasn't really there. And actually, there were a, a few plays where 
pressure came, he was hit, and he delivered some some beautiful passes against Auburn two years ago. I think that's probably the best win Tennessee has had under Jeremy Pruitt. The Vols were big underdogs on the road, about 15-point underdogs. And they continued to come after Jarrett, and he, he threw up 50-50 balls. And again, you had uh, Marquis Calloway and uh, Juwan Jennings who were there, and they, they stepped up and made plays. But he delivered really good passes that were either going to be caught by his receivers or nobody, and that was with pressure coming in his face. So he's, he's dealt with it. I still think it's probably the, the right move to try to go after him. Tennessee's offensive line should be better at handling that, and uh, backs need to do a probably better job than they did this past weekend with blitz pickup and uh they, they had an issue with ty chandler a uh, senior running back which surprised me in terms of uh handling pressure i would imagine that's something that tennessee has worked on and it sounds like probably should be anticipating from missouri this week yeah about ty chandler it seems like the last few years tennessee's kind of had your classic running back by committee but chandler seemed to really dominate the the snaps last week and the touches to, to an even maybe larger extent you think that's what we'll see moving forward, or is his maybe lack of pass protection going to see some different guys in on third down, maybe, for instance? Yeah, I wouldn't make too much of that with Chandler, but I think it's going to be a pretty good split of Chandler and Eric Gray. And Jeremy Pruitt, I think, does believe in if, if one guy appears to be playing well, stick with him for a while, the old uh, hot hand at the running back position, and that can change from quarter to quarter, I guess. But it's Chandler and Eric Gray, and at some point there could be a freshman out there. They didn't they did not. Uh, they did not use one of the freshman running backs this past weekend with the football. But Jeremy Pruitt this week talked about maybe getting them more involved, just because relying on two guys who are not very big, Chandler and Gray, neither one of those guys would would be a big power back for sure. That's risky in the SEC trying to do that for ten games. So I think at some point we'll see one of the younger players involved. But most of the time it's going to be Chandler or Eric Gray. They're two of the big play threats, and I think they're both pretty good pretty good receiving options for Jared Garantano. I, I've harped on it for two to three years now. Get Chandler more involved as a receiver, and I would say that with Eric Gray, and I think we'll see more of that. Yeah, to your point on getting Chandler involved as a receiver, I think that would probably be a good game plan if, like I expect, Missouri's going to be blitzing a good bit because, you know, you get a, a smaller running back out in space like that, then tackling one-on-one in space is just a big premium. And obviously in college football, you can't always rely on that. So I just think, I think Missouri- there are concerns for defensive coaches right now about how, how well teams are going to tackle, don't you? Because of the, the lack of time, especially with contact they had leading up to the start of the season. I think we've seen some issues there. In, it, and I think those issues are almost always there in college football. I just think they're amplified a little bit right now. Oh, I, I, I agree 100% based on what I've seen so far. I mean, maybe Alabama was aside. I thought thought Nick Saban, I was going to say, I thought Nick Saban, you know, we all know they're great, but I was just really impressed by how ready to play they were in week one. They didn't miss a lot of tackles. I promise you that. But in general, yeah, I think you're absolutely onto something there for sure. And uh, well, I looked this morning and, Missouri was a 12-point underdog. How are you feeling about Tennessee this weekend? You think they, you think they win, cover the spread, all that good stuff? I do think Tennessee wins. Uh, the, the spread's a tough one. I think it's a good number. That's about where I would have said it, not that I'm a, a professional handicapper or anything. I guess 10 at the beginning of the week, and okay. that's where it opened. So, yeah. Yeah, obviously some money's been going Tennessee's way there, I'd say. Yeah, sure. And um, I'll tell you this, I do a TV show on Sundays. And so part of one segment we do is we, we do a set the line for the next week. And one of the one of the uh, co-hosts on the show, 
he sets the number and he set it at eight and a half. And then we all make our pick based on that. And we, pl- we have play money and all that stuff. And we all went Tennessee. And I said on the show that just, that feels too low. I would have added maybe half a touchdown. So that would have put us what in the 11 and a half to 12 range. Sure. So that's why I think it's about right. Uh, and you know, all this being said, I guess I, I dodged your question with my answer. I lean toward, um, I lean toward Tennessee covering. My hesitation is, while Tennessee was able to put up you know big numbers offensively, a lot of a lot of air yards, and um, Jerry Garantano had a 400 yard game. Two of those guys weren't there, and Missouri still made it a close game last year, and typically has either made it a close game or just beaten Tennessee. That this has been a series that Missouri's had the advantage a lot of the time. And I would think Missouri's going to come in pretty confident. It's an early game for Tennessee. And while the Vols, I, I said, they have a lot of things to work on, and they know that, and Jeremy Pruitt said it over and over again, that they need to be careful here. They need to uh, avoid thinking, okay, we'll be fine against Missouri. Let's get ready for Georgia next week. If that mindset is there, that's going to be a problem for Tennessee. But m- my guess is that I think Tennessee has pretty good leadership, and Tennessee's going to be fired up to have Cade Mays out there, and they're going to come out and play really well early. If uh, if Missouri wins the turnover battle, then I think I'm going to be wrong on Tennessee covering. But I will pick Tennessee to win the game. How do you see uh, the the matchup, that line, how how it could shake out on Saturday? Yeah, I, I'm obviously. I if I said I thought ten was a fair line, then twelve. You know, maybe I would lean toward taking those two extra points. I mean, ten's an important number, but at the same time, I don't see much of an edge there. And I just think there's so little we know about this Missouri team still at this point under a new staff I want to be optimistic but that's a definite stay away for me as a Missouri fan it's interesting you brought up the 11 a.m kickoff because well those always are a little bit strange at times not as much of a you know not as much of energy as there would be at the night game for obvious reasons and also just interesting to me Neyland Stadium, one of the bigger stadiums in college football obviously what are there going to be 20,000 people there something like that yeah, roughly from a fan standpoint, so it's going to be about 25% capacity, but that includes everybody in the building, so okay. players, coaches, staff members. So, yeah, between uh, – I don't know that we'll ever have an exact number. They'll, they'll give us one, but twenty to 25,000 fans should be there, but that's a, that's a quarter of the capacity. So, it's uh, – yeah, it's not going to be your typical environment uh, period, plus you do have that early kick. Now it is the home opener and – and all that stuff. So uh, it's weather's supposed to be great. So that shouldn't be a factor. It's supposed to be mid sixties and sunny. So it should be a nice day for for the game to be played. So yeah, the turnovers are an easy thing to bring up. But I I do very often. Jeremy Pruitt does often. I think that can that can be what uh, evens things out a little bit. So uh, I'll be curious how Missouri takes care of the football. Tennessee had a pick six against South Carolina, and, and if that doesn't happen, Tennessee right. might have lost the game. Sure, this past weekend. And if if that's the case. Well, John, how different is the conversation right now? If Tennessee's a loser versus winner, it doesn't change anything about the team, right? So um, I, that, that can be a big equalizer if you're trying to pull off an upset, which Missouri would be trying to do. But you also have to take care of the football. Um, I, I wonder what should Tennessee fans know about Sean Robinson and then some playmakers, Knox and, and Roundtree. Those are names that are familiar to, to Tennessee fans. But what do you make after just one week with what Drinkwitz is trying to get, get done there with his system? And, and could we see Bayslack? Could we see two quarterbacks this week? 
Well, I think you almost certainly will see Basilak. He played last week the first series of the second quarter and then later in the second half as well. I'd say you'll probably see him again early second quarter if I had to guess, Uh, assuming, you know, assuming Missouri isn't in the middle of its own series as they change quarters, obviously. But when their first possession they have of the second quarter, you'll see Basilak, I would imagine. And, And in terms of what Drinkwitz is trying to do offensively, if you're an NFL fan, if you've watched the Rams and the 49ers, you watch how Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan like to use a lot of jet sweep action all the time, a lot of motion, that kind of deal, with a lot, coupled with a lot of inside zone style runs. And I think that's what you're going to see a lot from Missouri and a lot of you know, wide receiver screens, getting the ball to guys in space, that kind of deal. And, and as far as Larry Roundtree goes, I think – He's obviously been an excellent player for Missouri, an excellent four-year player. I just thought the Missouri offense last year under Derek Dooley, hey, there's a name you volunteer fans will be familiar with. I just thought it stagnated a lot last year and just showed a lack of imagination. And even against Alabama, you know, I thought the running holes were just a little bit better for Roundtree. And that's with an offensive line that's been decimated by injury and, you know, a couple opt-outs and some positive tests and all that kind of stuff. So, in some ways, I was definitely encouraged by the run game and just the, the design of the offense in general. But, yeah, I, I guess going back to maybe my earlier point, I guess I was just trying to figure out in terms of the line, what should we, how should we factor in home field advantage this season? That's the part I can't quite figure out because, obviously, you're not going to have the 90,000 Tennessee fans making it hard to change the plays, but you still are going to have to travel. So there's a bit of an advantage there. I, I just can't quite figure out how to – you know, actually build that into my model. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I bring it up and then I say the same thing that you just did there that I don't know. And it's difficult to try to gauge. Uh, is it a big factor? I just, I look at the comfort of you're at home versus travel. Uh, but, you know, some players, they get up for, for travel and they love to, to be on the road and be away and be sure. in an abnormal situation. So, That's true. Uh, that plus, hey, you know, nobody expects us to win. That's something that you know, Missouri players may love in this kind of game. So uh, I, I always tend to, hey, if you're at home, it's just it's better to be there. You're in your own home environment, and you're probably more comfortable. But um, I, this year is, is just so different. We just saw Kansas State beat Oklahoma this past weekend, and who right. saw that coming after Kansas State lost to Arkansas State, right? Yeah. Can I just ask you one final question, Josh? Yeah. <clears throat> I think, obviously, if, if Missouri loses this weekend – most people just chalk it up to, well, you know, it's a new coach, yada, yada, yada. But if Tennessee loses to Missouri on Saturday, are people going to be a little nervous or is that just going to be a bump in the road for the Pruitt era? Well, uh, it could be both, but initially, yeah, there, there'll be fans that are upset. People will be nervous. And, uh, and then you have to go into Georgia and this first half of the month, all of a sudden could get really could get really tough because you have Georgia, Kentucky sandwiched in between the Bulldogs and Alabama. And those are two games that are going to be really difficult, of course. So Kentucky coming in in the middle of that, Tennessee better be ready. So depending on how the game goes, but, you know, if let's say quarterback play is a problem because that's the biggest conversation I think fans are having right now. If quarterback plays a problem, they're still trying to figure that out. That could create some long-term issues this season, and then that could create some concerns about what that means for the future. So I think the biggest thing we hear from fans right now would be, uh, can we just keep beating the teams that we're, quote, supposed to beat? And that's, to to Tennessee fans, that's South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, 
Vanderbilt, uh, Arkansas is on the schedule, so Arkansas would be that, and then jump up against the bigger level teams. Well, if Tennessee takes a, a step back, as I think fans would see it, with the, uh, the, the Missouri game this week, then I think that would create concern about not only the ability to catch up with Georgia, Florida, those teams, but the progress that has been seen over the last year, essentially since last September. Last September was a mess, and then Tennessee turned things around. That was because of player buy-in. I think coaches got on a a better page with the players, if that's the right way to say it, and uh, they took off from there. And this would almost halt that, I think, to Tennessee fans' minds, so, in Tennessee's fans' minds. So I think winning this game is just going to be uh, so important for Tennessee to keep that progress going. And then next week, let's get a better idea of where Tennessee is against the Georgias of the world. Okay, well, that uh, sounds pretty good to me. You got anything else you want to ask me? No, I just uh, – is there anything that you think we missed in terms of matchups or keys to the game for either side? Missouri trying to pull off an upset or anything that you'd be interested in and what Tennessee might try to do? You know, not not anything huge, but I guess you were saying turnovers would probably be the big key, which it is in most football games, of course. For whatever reason, just based on watching last year's game, it just feels like if Missouri's able to limit the big plays by Tennessee, and obviously if Missouri's able, to put it really simply, to get some of their own, I think that might end up being the difference. I just think between the 20s, maybe these teams aren't as different as they may look on paper, but I just thought last year, just over and over again, Missouri gave up big plays in the passing game and ended up really only losing the game by four, although it it frankly didn't feel that close to me. But regardless, this is a 12-point game in Vegas. You know, I I think it could easily be closer than that, but I can obviously see why, why Tennessee is the clear favorite here. Yeah, I just, I'm enjoying that it's SEC every week. I am too. I think it's really, it's really fun. We're only in week two, and there aren't any off weeks, literally or figuratively. Well, maybe there are literally some off weeks, but you know what I'm saying. There aren't any uh, FCS games, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, John, this has been fun. Uh, a crossover edition with Locked On Vols and Locked On Mizzou, and hopefully we can catch up again during basketball season. Is uh, That'll be here before we know it when uh, the Vols and Tigers match up there, and uh, I'm excited for that. But thanks a lot for doing this today to talk some uh, Tennessee-Missouri football. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks for having me, Josh.